0: So, tell me a little bit about the screening. Was it at the, like, New Beverly? Is it at Tarantino's Theater? Yeah,
1: this is at the New Beverly at Tarantino's Theater. Um, oh, man, it was great. I mean, I've seen a few uh, of his movies there now. I've seen re- also seen Reservoir Dogs and Glorious Bastards there. Um, but this print might have been the most, like, immaculately kept. Like, it was such a... It's all, you know, on really? thirty five millimeter film and this was gorgeous. The other ones looked good too, from my memory, but this one it was just so it was, you know, yeah. Uh in that movie has like built in like film effects too, like grain and certain transitions are like, you know Right. Um like you know, almost like projection mistakes. So it was a little sometimes I feel hard like to tell. He, like
0: he puts in the, yeah. the cigarette burns. Yes, he does. Like even yeah. we we don't use that anymore, but like he's still gonna Put yeah, they're it into still in the film for and he builds quality. them into
1: like the the act structure too. You know what I mean? I saw I felt anyway watching it last night. Like certain things would happen, like an important scene would happen, and then you notice cigarette burn, and you kind of know if like if you to anything about projection, that means the reels changing. But also in twenty the, in the seconds story, until yeah, yeah. But also in the A story scene like, change, basically things are happening. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Yeah, that's real neat. I'd I'd love to be able to see one of uh, his movies there. Yeah. I saw Inglorious Bastard or not a uh, hateful eight in the 70mm. Oh, yeah, I did. too. That they have one here. And I know I think it was like Christmas Eve or Christmas he came to the screening. Oh, whoa. For that one here. So, so yeah, I didn't so have tickets many... to that one, but oh
1: man. Yeah, as many times as I've been to his theater, I've never been... I don't think he like drops in that much really. Like when he does it's like a big event you get tickets for, you know.
0: Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm but it's sure. just
1: it's this you can still feel like his care in that theater, you know, in the programming and the trailers and everything mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. He's got that that weird guy touch all over it. <laughs> I oh man, I you know, listened to a bunch of his interviews since his book came out and watching Kill Bill, it's like I just cannot get over what a weird nerd he is. Mm-hmm. And you can just you could feel it in his movies and I love that about him, but yeah those i was interviews. actually talking
0: to someone yesterday about uh the night the lights went out in georgia
1: mm-hmm.
0: and for some reason like it randomly came up uh they're talking about reba mcintyre and she was talking about oh yeah like that version of the song was like eh, i like the original better she's like i didn't even know there was you know that was a cover <laughs> i was like well if you saw reservoir dogs that's literally right. what they're talking about in the middle or in the first scene of the movie but yeah. it always gets overshadowed by the tipping conversation.
1: Yeah, but that that is just like a, an excuse for him to show off some obscure like music knowledge, <laughs> and like right, brag and about it gives off. It, it starts yeah. the um, the seventies music
0: music weekend type thing. The, the, Absolutely. What's yeah. what's his name? The K Billy Stephen Super Wright? Sounds of the seventies. So that's like the, the, the introduction to that. Yeah, but it's, it's a fun thing of like, well, how come? How didn't you? How did you not know? she was the killer she says it at the end of the song right yeah yeah all right well i think we can get into it now uh welcome to the weekly podcast massacre a podcast where we take uh monthly looks at different types of massacres that occur in cinematic movies cinematic (laughs) movie yeah whatever I will be your dreadful host for this evening. My name is Michael Murphy, but everyone calls me
1: Murphy, coming to you from cloudy Portland. And with me today... From a sunny but kind of muggy and a little miserable Los Angeles, uh, I am Greg Anderson. And our other co-host from some remote mining
0: operation in space is unfortunately ill today, so she will not be joining us, but... We do wish kill the the best of health, and that she'll be with us soon enough, hopefully,
1: yeah, yeah, uh some kind of message about maybe a potential uprising happening in this mining station, so mm. hopefully she can take care of that and get back to us soon, yeah, you know that would actually not be a bad
0: idea, like a high concept of like lay miz in space,
1: yeah, I mean, any story is better if you set it in space, right, right, right. yeah,
0: um. I was just thinking, what would, do you remember that Guy Pierce movie? Was it
1: Lockout? That was oh, basically yeah, he, uh, it's Escape from, from New, New York, York right. but yeah. in space. But in space, yeah. And you right. know what? That is a better, like, I just say better movie, just objectively. Once you add it's space like, into it. Like Bassan directed, or did he just produce it? I think he directed it. It sounds like, uh, yeah, I think.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's one of those conversations I'd love, like uh, Besson and Carpenter. Yeah, Just, like, shooting the shit. It's Seriously. That'd be amazing. <laughs> Hashing out that, that beef, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Greg, it's a new month, so that means we have a new theme that we have to dive yeah. into. We're leaving killer objects, and we're moving on to Assimilation. Assimilation,
1: assimilation August. Assimilation August. Yeah, it's finally arrived. Mm-hmm. I've been counting on the days since we <laughs> invented it a month ago until uh, that, that hot
0: sweaty miserable <laughs> month of august yes and when you don't really feel like yourself and yeah maybe there's a reason behind that
1: right uh you know if, at least if you live in this hemisphere uh <laughs> you are usually hot and muggy and it's gross out and you know um well i mean like this is all if you don't like the summer months like i kind of have an aversion to warmer weather so. For me anyway, August sucks. yeah, I don't like August. It's an uncomfortable, hot, ugly month. and what better movies to look at than movies where you know like you said, people don't feel like themselves and things aren't quite right with the world. Uh, mm-hmm. So <laughs> this might be a, kind of a, a bummer of a month if we're looking at it that way, but uh, I, I swear we'll have a lot of fun talking about these because there's a lot of different kinds of assimilation movies out there. Um, Very true. And uh, so I think uh, that's something that we should we should cover real
0: quick. You know, assimilation has a couple different definitions looking on Google right now. Uh, number one, the process of taking in and fully understanding information or ideas. Mm-hmm. We have two, the absorption of digest uh, and digestion of food or nutrients by the body or any biological system. Mm-hmm. And number three, closer to what we're looking for, the process of becoming similar to something. Yeah. So that last one is definitely what our closest. whole idea of it is: is that we are human people going about our lives, and that there is some outside force that then starts changing us in a way to where we are no longer the same selves we were. Right.
1: you know what I mean hey in a way if you want to really stretch it and I think I do um, (laughs) you can fit all those definitions to the movies that we're talking about particularly this movie uh, today because so much of these are about um, there's that aspect you just described of physically changing something or somebody right of like uh, you're not the person you were and so there's a sort of identity element to these movies but also there is like usually a body horror element where you do see people being digested by some unknown force and that itself is its yeah, own you, kind of subgenre of horror movies like these types of effects you know
0: right we do see like a, a type of absorption or digestion yeah. and, and especially in this one I think it's it's about ideas yes. or may, maybe instead of ideas it's like lack of feelings
1: right and I think that first definition too of just like taking in information or processing information fits these movies they often have a very mm-hmm. paranoid bent and a um, yes and a main character who is has having their kind of worldview challenged their their view of people challenged like they're learning things about humanity that they you know didn't know before and kind of processing information and coming to new conclusions about what they want out of life i think that's a, a having to look for a at things movies.
0: right yeah right it's through like a different prism
1: right learning the truth of things and trying to accept the, the reality of, of their world, you know? Um. So for this first week, as I am host, we are we are watching
0: the 1978 Invasion of the Body Snatchers. This movie mm-hmm. is directed by Philip Kaufman, a screenplay by W.D. Richter. Richter. Uh, it's based off the book by Jack Finney, just called Body Snatchers. And I believe this was the second remake or adaptation, it's like an adaptation of it yeah. as a major theatrical movie. This is yeah. it's there's a total of 4 now. Mm-hmm. We have the original 56, we have a 78, we have I believe it was 93 and then Daniel Craig and what's her name? Nicole Kidman. Not, yeah, there you go. Yeah. It's Nicole Kidman. Did it in like 2007. Right. Just Which is invasion. weird because I had to look it up. She had done the Stepford Wives three years previously, and you would think, like, mm, maybe I should step yeah. away from remakes.
1: Exactly. And uh, Stepford Wives, I mean, I, I haven't seen any of the versions of the Stepford Wives, but from my understanding, that's something of an assimilation story, too, right?
0: yeah yeah to to degree and it, it is. i remember seeing that yeah. when i was i was working at the movie theater when that came out i feel so. like
1: uh yeah i feel like there's a lot of peripheral movies on the edges of like a, like assimilation movies because um and i don't want to give away what uh potential you could be talking about later in the month but you do have some options like um like dead and buried is one recently it's been talked about a lot online and then um joe bob briggs just showed it on the last drive-in but that is something of an assimilation movie even if it's not what you kind of usually think of when you first think an assimilation movie but it does have that element of taking these uh these people and changing them in some way that is not immediately perceptible but it's something inside them that's different right whether it's biologically or spiritually or mechanically right. in and some we, cases we yeah
0: usually think of it in some sort of supernatural or mm-hmm. as, as in this uh particular one like an alien invasion yeah uh when yeah, aliens you know, are there are other in
1: this yeah
0: right and i think there are other ones that people might not like necessarily think of i i think you could make a very good case for Midsommar being an assimilation oh, movie that, that they great. are yeah. getting uh, Puh to come in and are assimilating her <laughs> to their culture to be where now she's the Nazi queen or, or whatever. We, we can
1: just call her Flo. Maybe that's easier. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: We'll do just a a quick brief summary of the plot. I feel like there's a lot to get yeah, in. Yeah, I don't know if you
1: can I do a brief summary of this.
0: There's just so many things that keep happening throughout, but mm-hmm. very general overview is that there are space bacteria that are in in space and they come down to earth and we follow two characters that kind of bounce back and forth between being main characters i feel like we have brooke adams who plays elizabeth driscoll works as a lab technician in the san francisco department of health and mm-hmm. then donald sutherland plays matthew Bennell, who seems more like a a, a food uh, detective Right, he's just the Department of <laughs> Health guy. Again, I like last week's episode, it's a perfect non cop cop character.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, you know, he's... he has
0: authority, he gets he has a badge, he gets to like go into the back of the restaurant whenever right. he wants. So he
1: also gets mistaken as a doctor at one point and he is like a weird mix of like a doctor and like a police officer. In terms of like his authority and position in like most yeah. situations, it's where he well, like is doling yeah, out mean, medical he, advice, he but doctor, he's also like, and he's talking about yeah. it
0: being a you know a, a health crisis that's that's well, going on. Which I mean, it is. I mean, they and they're trying to figure out if it's like an infection, if it's some kind sort of some sort of yeah. psychological thing that is
1: potentially uh, communicable. Do they ever actually call him a doctor? There's the one scene where the the laundry the guy at the laundry asks if he was a doctor, and he kind of just says, "I don't think he says no." He just kind of says, "Health department, health." But he never confirms that he's an actual doctor. But the movie, again, it kind of positions him as if he is. But he's also like close friends with this <laughs> new agey like hippie psychologist guy. Right, it, it, right. Okay, it so we're we'll like going it. so it's basically these are our two main characters. Circles. Yeah,
0: and uh, Elizabeth Driscoll is has a live-in boyfriend uh what was his name jeffrey jeff no not jack jeffrey jeffrey that's what it was it was jeffrey jeffrey the dentist and jeffrey is very uh animate he's he's very emotional he loves uh watching sports with his loves the warriors uh, weird headphones Mm -hmm. (laughs) that he so she doesn't have to listen to it. Oh, and that's going to And on her way home one day. She finds just I, I have, a have tiny to mark, We have to talk
1: about all the seventies tech in this. All the weird.
0: Like, okay, okay, we will. We we got yeah, to get yeah. to it. And trying to get there. Yeah, I just so, to put a marker in there. Right. Elizabeth finds a pod and brings it home. Uh, it sleeps it, places it by Jeffrey's bed, and in the morning. Uh, The glass that the pod was in is broken, and Jeffrey is acting very strange. He's not as emotional as he was. He's very uh, uh, rigid, almost. Uh, Not what she's used to. So she goes to work, and she starts experiencing this more, uh, seeing more people that are not acting uh, right. Eventually, she confides in Donald Sutherland, who you know thinks you know maybe she's a little overworked there's something wrong with her i got it let's take you to my psychiatrist friend who's having a book party we'll just we'll let you, i'll introduce to you and you can talk to him about it played by the magnificent leonard nimoy yeah and,
1: and uh, did you notice so he got the and i did of course in the credits yeah, he had to yeah <laughs> who else would get the and in this movie i mean like uh, it is, it's such a great powerhouse role too. Like they set him up beforehand really well with talking about, you know, oh man, my friend David Kibner, he's an author and like blah, blah, blah. And uh, very well known, respected. Exactly. They call him a celebrity on these things. And then he lives up to that hype. Like you walk in and it's, you hear Leonard Nimoy's voice first, like talking with the patient. And then that reveal of, of his character and his, <laughs> his wardrobe choices, especially, it's so cool. Um, I feel like, he's the yeah, best, yeah. had he been real, eventually he would have been like um, Dr. Well, Phil Larry or was like real Sally person.
0: Jesse Raphael. Oh, I see. He would have had his own talk show in the middle of the day.
1: Yeah. I know what you meant, but for a moment I thought it'd be fun to pretend that you thought that Leonard Nimoy was like a fake person <laughs> when you said that. <laughs> yeah, it was a deep psyop in the 60s and 70s. They invented Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. I'd believe <laughs> it,
0: actually. Uh, okay, so... At that point, there is another woman having a similar experience to where her husband is not acting like the husband. And Litter Nimoy is trying to uh, do some like quick psychological band-aids on her. And Elizabeth like keeps trying to butt in. He's like, excuse me, I'm talking to this woman. And basically, shes so like, oh, he's the same person, uh, go away. And at the same time, we meet one of uh dr or matthew Bennell's uh friends jeff goldblum's character jack belichick who is mm-hmm. just a was he like a poet i didn't really understand he's, poet. he's some sort they, of they writer. say
1: uh, uh later on yeah when he's talking with his wife she she like when he comes home all sad she asks oh you didn't get to read your poems you, So oh yeah you didn't get to read yeah. your
0: poetry yeah yeah so i love how he talks about you know uh Kibner puts out a book every six months. Sometimes it takes yeah. me six months to write a line. <laughs> uh, he's great at it. Okay, so the, so they meet, and they're trying to let Elizabeth, you know, convince Elizabeth that nothing's wrong with Jeff, that it's just stress, that you know, it's the same man that she fell in love with. And eventually, they Sutherland tells Goldblum, "Oh, just go away. Give us some time. We need some space." And then that's when he goes to the mud bath, and we meet his wife, Veronica Cartwright, uh, who I always, every time I watch this movie, I completely forget who she is, and then I have to mm-hmm. look at her IMDb. Of course,
1: Alien. Of course. Well, I I had never seen this movie before. Um, I, I watched it for this podcast, and so I saw her name in the credits, and it was I recognized her name from Alien right away, but then I didn't recognize like her actually in the movie because she looks so different that she does an Alien. And uh, any other role I've seen her in, she's kind of a somewhat of a chameleon, I feel like. She's constantly just, you know, has these different looks. Because uh, I also know her from uh, Witches of Eastwick, where it took oh, me yeah, forever to great. realize who she was, too, in that. Um, and then in The Birds, where she's like, well, like 13 or 14. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah very she doesn't young. have like. I feel like she doesn't have an identifiable look outside of Alien, you know, so it's hard to recognize her. But she's wonderful. She's especially great in this movie. She, I think she yes might steal away my my uh my pick for favorite performance but it's it's a t- it's a tough decision i think
0: she definitely get, i mean not to to jump to the very end but yeah i think her like last part like the mm-hmm. capper of the movie is just yes. is phenomenal okay let's try to get back into somewhat of yeah. of a thread for the plot uh so kibner is is, is saying to elizabeth, elizabeth that uh, you're just trying to end the relationship. You should just go back home. So I I believe that's what they do at this point. And Sutherland starts, you know, getting weird feelings about all of it. And so he's trying to get in contact with her, and it's not working. So he eventually does go to... Uh, well, actually, I think they find... He goes cause, because of the bathhouse stuff, right? In the, in the mud bath, yeah. yeah they, they actually find one of the, the weird bodies... Without fingerprints. Um, that's features. a duplicate. Yeah. Of a person basically. So that's when Sutherland starts really feeling weird. He calls to check on Elizabeth. And eventually goes over there. And finds her sleeping. With the duplicates starting to. Come together. Have more details to it. So he kidnaps her. Takes her back to the mud bath. And they get more into it. They call for. Kibner again and i think this is right at the point where we start realizing that it is when you fall asleep right that your conscious it's your consciousness memories everything seems to be transferred into the pod person body and they try to they try at one point to to say that you are the same but just you know less emotion less yeah, you know, more level. I think.
1: Right. Well, I feel like they, they never um, get too into the to the biology of it, because I mean, it's it's clear that they're not exactly human. I mean, they say they're the same, but they they are like plants. They're not exactly like human beings, like flesh and blood. To, but it's it's also hard to differentiate at that point well they're flesh and they're... blood it seems yeah
0: i mean don't they get injured later and i don't remember if it's right like and you weird. see
1: like red blood and stuff but there's also some sort of other component to them where um i mean they have that freaky scream that's definitely not human and uh mm-hmm. they seem to have some sort of hive mind but it's also kind of spotty like how i they actually pass information don't along. think
0: they have a hive mind i i think it's if it was a hive mind, yeah, I, think, I don't think that right, they would be You wouldn't be able
1: to trick to them the way they do, trick but them. it's also... Right. Yeah, but it's also complicated just because... I mean, I, I suppose the implication is just that they've already taken over so many levels that information has traveled super fast, but there are times where yeah. there is like an unspoken communication between these people where they share glances, well, and you kind of get the sense that there's stuff being communicated. So I, I think the movie maybe implies at some point that it could be a hive mind, but then it reveals that it's not. But for one of kind of steps that's away from that. I feel like I when they are
0: towards it. the end and they're at the the bus station with all the pods, and they're still using yeah. like an an intercom to to give directions. <laughs> so if it was a true okay, yeah, hive that, mind, yeah. I don't think we would need. See, we, we would just use pheromones or something like that, right? That yeah, that kind of so, feeds
1: into. If I want to talk about at that yeah. point, so yeah, let's let's uh get back through.
0: Okay, so I believe at this point is when they all try to uh is, they go to, to southern Sutherland calls and the cops sleep yeah yeah well southern calls the cops and it's like hey something's weird with jeff and they go and they nothing comes of it uh because mm-hmm. the police are in on it and uh let's see at at this point they know something weird's going on and the four of them we have elizabeth uh banel with sutherland's character We've got Goldbloom and Veronica Cartwright. Uh, They are trying to stay awake. Or they're... I guess they're just trying to hide out. And they're doing it at, like, Benell's place. And Sutherland goes out and falls asleep on the patio. And that's when they all basically start having the duplication happen. At some point, uh, Veronica Cartwright wakes up. And it was like, oh god, oh god, what's happening. And you see their duplicates. Sutherland wakes up. They get them all awake, and then Sutherland like bashes the fuck out of all of them, <laughs> and which is just a gloriously gory
1: scene. Is it? Is it just his own head? I think it's like it just as they're I think kind of he running He kills out. all of them.
0: I think. I think. Well, we kind of focus on him. Bashing right. his own head in because that's really weird, but he go. I think he goes and destroys all of them. Okay, but this is the point where again they they really get into it that uh, if you fall asleep you're you're done for. So right. they're gonna keep taking speed. Uh,
1: they are eventually
0: captured.
1: Well, okay, so I mean they they all run from the house at that point. I think uh, you got Jack and Nancy sort of run off on their own. Jack goes off to distract them to allow Matthew and Elizabeth to escape, and Nancy follows him. So they get split up at that point. They then go to take the speed in the lab at their office, and I think they get caught there by Kibner, who... That's right. And Jack has that, already been yeah, transformed as Jack well. Jack has been assimilated. So, yes, yeah. And this is what they're trying to pitch them on being assimilated. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, That it's it's not so bad, really. Uh, <laughs> and they give them a bunch of sedatives. Though I think with all the speed that they had taken, like they're able to to kind of stay awake. And they kill Jack's duplicate while lock- locking up Winter Nimoy in a refrigerated room. Mm-hmm. Um, they eventually do meet up with Nancy, who says that she has learned to evade them by just hiding her emotions and blending in. Um, so they try to follow her example. And eventually, the weirdest thing in the movie, a mutant dog with a human head like runs up. And <laughs> it, it freaks Elizabeth out so much that she starts screaming... And yeah. then they have to run away.
1: I, I mean, I have a lot of things to say about that dog. I don't know if you want to wait for later or if you want to finish with the plot real quick.
0: Let, yeah, let's finish. We're, we're so close to the end here. So okay. at, at this point, um, they're running away again. They get separated from Veronica Cartwright, Nancy's character. And they kind of sit down for, uh, their, for a second. And all of a sudden, Elizabeth can't take it anymore. She's She's been up for too long. And kind of starts uh, nodding off right in Sutherland's arms and basically collapses. And two seconds later, the (laughs) fully formed duplicate, naked duplicate, is
1: right there. It's not exactly collapsing. It is like crumbling into dust in his hands. It's far more graphic than collapsing. It's horrifying. It is uh, the saddest point in the movie. Disintegrate is is
0: probably like (sighs) the best word. So eventually he uh, just runs away and sees hundreds of pods in like a abandoned uh, warehouse building. Uh, He destroys as much as he can and, you know, keeps fleeing. And the next, we're seeing the next day him going into work, looking at Elizabeth, blending in. And we're right outside City Hall when Nancy sees him and runs up. So they're going to be reunited and they're going to be able to to get out and and save the world and that's when the pretty much most famous scene i think in this movie of sutherland you know screeching and pointing at her that she has broken character and is not a pod person and she just shrieks uh yeah. bloody murder at this point just a fantastic that image scream
1: of, that image of him pointing and screaming is literally the only thing i knew about this movie um i didn't even remember that like you actually see what you know it's cutting between him pointing and her screaming like intercutting their faces mm-hmm. as it gets closer to him um but i only ever knew about that image of him pointing and screaming it's all i knew about this movie and so that was a little unfortunate only knowing that the entire time because i have to imagine that twist seeing it in the day was just uh sure crushingly crushingly effective like such i mean it Not still been, is watching yeah, it prepare now for it yeah It still is watching it now because you don't see his moment of assimilation. But to not have that knowledge at all, you know, because I kind of knew, Okay, I think this is the moment coming up here. Literally, all I knew about this movie was that image of him screaming and then Letter Nemoy wears weird gloves. (laughs) Those are the two things I knew about this remake.
0: Yeah, we can get into that real quick. Like, I I swear, I spent 30 minutes on Google trying to figure Mm -hmm. out the optimum search words to figure, like, what do you call that thing?
1: Yeah, I Everything have to imagine weird, some
0: sort of... Half leather glove. It all keeps coming back right. as just gloves. What are gloves?
1: You know, I, I was thinking about it, and I remember, have you ever done, like, archery lessons or, arch, you know, uh, spent time on an archery wrench? Yeah. It is, That's like, the other one of those wrist guard of. things you wear. Yeah, but it's mm-hmm. not exactly that. It's not long... It doesn't, like, protect the same amount of skin. And also, why would he just be wearing that? I and about... <laughs> uh, but I, I think it, it's just... I'd have to imagine it's it's just something there to establish his character as this sort of out of place weirdo spiritual kind of like you know he he's into yeah, strange fashion and he's into um, odd ways of thinking kill- and
0: yeah kill did give us uh, some of her notes yeah. for it and she talked about how this did annoy her that the leather half glove yeah. that uh leonard nimoy wore was deliberately used for the sole purpose of making the character more distinctive and recognizable although it's leonard fucking nimoy i don't think you need to be <laughs> more recognizable uh but apparently nimoy got the idea from a friend who wore it to cover a burn on his hand there you go. So I'm okay. it yeah. totally makes sense. I wear facial hair because I have scars on my face that I just want to cover up. So, I get that whole mentality.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Uh, but that it is—it's so prominently featured in a lot of shots because, especially when they're first, um, it's when the the second the second time they're trying to kind of convince him that there's something going on, where he's like laid back on that couch. In that right position he's his putting like his hand, hand right, by right his face. Next to his face yeah yeah and so he's yeah, like, like deliberately like
0: pose.
1: putting it in front of the camera so you can't help but focus on it <laughs> and i think this movie has a lot of that just feeds into the first thing i mean you want to talk about with this movie it is so so 70s and not just in its fashion but just in the way that there's just so much odd shit like that that is there for just a second Just these little weird things of the time that are peppered throughout this movie that really, really root it in the late 70s.
0: Well, so you talked about the phone cord, which I love. That was retractable and was, like, in the wall. So you you didn't see any of it outside. I loved it. I've Um, never seen that. The really early headphones Mm -hmm. that Jeff wore so he could watch the TV and not disturb You know his, but even just like
1: the the idea that psychology is becoming like a popular fad at this time, and you have guys like Nimoy putting out these like self help books that I you know that feels like such an I mean it obviously didn't stop in the seventies but that feels like such a thing of the of that moment that and then uh, even the style of filmmaking especially like when you have um, uh, Elizabeth kind of talking about her paranoia. When she's out on the street and she sees people passing messages, the yeah. way that is shot, like right up in her face, with her kind of looking around, and seeing just like everyday San Franciscans walking around. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's
0: uh, Sutherland has his own shot that's like that, where he's trying to get word out to to more yes. yeah uh, official people, and he kind of keeps walking around, and it, yeah, the the camera work, it like just instilling paranoia that you you may not know where you are i definitely also love the i think that's right at the point where he's he's calling someone and they said of course mr banal or dr banal and he's like wait how do you know my name i didn't i didn't tell you my name
1: see that that i think moments like that kind of fed into my my idea that there might be some kind of of hive but you're right i think it's just the fact that they have so much so many people assimilated that they're able to pass info quickly yeah um but there's so many... Yeah, it's so... I mean, just like the... Have you seen the original? And it's an end of the question what it asked, too, is just why you picked this one over the original.
0: Uh, because I had seen this original. I actually watched the... Or I had seen this remake. I had never seen the original until after Got I it. watched it. Um, I, I'm i a huge fan of Donald Sutherland. And I, I, I think he's fantastic. I think this is one of his... Um. Very subtly good roles mm-hmm. that he he doesn't have to do a lot in it, you know, compared to to Mash or Don't Look Now or or some of his other big seventy right. films. But he doesn't uh, have to. I, I think he just fits in it. perfectly. He doesn't
1: have to show his entire ass like he does in uh, <laughs> Don't Look Now. Although I wish he did, yeah, yeah it would have improved. You know, we it, all yeah.
0: do. I think one one thing we didn't mention in in the summary is how basically. The, the two characters are in love with each other.
1: The, okay, um, yeah. I mean...
0: You know, Donald Sutherland and Brooke Adams. I think Adams. there's a lot
1: to read and, into. And that's part
0: of it is that they are... You know, he's married to his job. She is in a relationship with Jeffrey. But it's just one of those things, I like, the way they look at each other. Yeah. And you can also tell that, you know, they're in love with their job. They love what they do. The first scene that we meet, you know, Sutherland in is he's going into a restaurant takes out something from the soup and they do a whole turd season caper season (laughs) bit about what's in the soup where it ends with Sutherland being like well if it's a caper you'll eat it Right. right
1: even before that they had this awesome moment of actually introducing him the first shot you do see of him is through the the people on the door so his face is kind of like distorted and weird, like peering into the thing. And that's a motif of, there's a couple of, of that's really right. awesome mirror shots on this. There's that one great one later when um, it's sort of the introduction of Jeff Goldblum when he's standing behind Donald Sutherland on the phone and his face is reflected in, in like the wall and he's like all tall and distorted, mm-hmm. but he's kind of looking sort of at camera, but he's like yelling and he's, he's oh, this movie does a great job of um, establishing like this really kind of like, familiar but just off-kilter visual style using things like that uh and yeah you see it in his introduction
0: i w- i also love just the uh all the the sh- beautiful shots of san francisco Oof. that we get which like i if i could pick a time and place to be you know right san francisco and the the late mid-70s would just be fantastic yeah so apparently
1: that was like a big sticking point for uh what is his name kaufman that directed this philip kaufman yeah um Yeah, he was from, I think, or at least lived in San Francisco, and when this opportunity came up to direct this, he was really, like, adamant that the city was very important to all of it, and, uh, I mean, (laughs) you know how New York is sometimes a character in movies? Have you ever heard this? Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm, I'm the first person to ever think of this and say that, but, uh.
0: It's like you've got mail. It ba- like it is a character, <laughs> like the way that they talk about the city and like what part of the city they're in. Yeah, yeah I know, I get it um, exactly. Zodiac, the same thing. San Francisco yes. is oh, a character. Yeah. Oh
1: man, I didn't even think like, that the, would be
0: such a the montage of that. Yeah. The, the building going up—that would up be such a great one of those fantastic. shots. These will, these where...
1: will make a great double feature: uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers and Zodiac, mm-hmm. because they are so much about um, this very uh, capturing, like a like a, a, a the the paranoia, the, paranoia and the psychology of like, an entire city during a specific, very specific yep. time. You know what I mean? That's what yep. the assault is. I mean. You can't have a horror movie come out in the late '70s without it being about Nixon and politics and all these things. And while this movie never like directly addresses like politics, you can still feel it all over this movie. That it's about the psychology of the country at large, right?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's even a point to where they, you know, kind of instill that you know the the world's going to hell. Mm-hmm. And it's just, <laughs> you're like, oh, Jesus Christ. If you only knew what was to come. Right. <laughs> uh, all right. So one of the things I wanted to to go down my list real quick, just notes. Yeah. I didn't um, want to say earlier. Didn't I didn't mention for- in
1: the... Sorry. I just forgot to say earlier. I was talking about this being like very of its time. Um, but when you watch it original, that is extremely of its time. It is, it's such a 50s movie. And when mm-hmm. I first watched it, um, I, I can appreciate the things it does that were revolutionary for its time and the way that it was, you know, it does do a good job of capturing the sort of paranoia. But then you have that reading of that one that, oh, it's all about communism. And it's a somewhat more of a, uh, you know, troubling message in that one about people changing and being different. It's not portrayed as like, in, in this, It's it's so much more philosophical about it and so much more like, you know, um, into the psychology of what 's happening, whereas in the fifties it's it's very somewhat reactionary it feels like to to people adopting different political views,
0: but yes i don't feel that they had that as much in the seventies uh you know like like you were saying with the the red scare of the fifties and that you're you're wondering if your uh next door neighbor right. is going to turn out to be a Russian sympathizer and I don't again, I don't remember the two thousand seven one that well with Craig and, and Kidman, but I'm sure there was some of that. Oh, definitely. I mean it in I in there I, with the war on I hope terror. So, because it is it and...
1: is such a great metaphor for what's for any kind of political climate, you can slot in different events and people into these roles. Uh I I think my point with, with the fifties one is that it, it it is dated and it's very of its time, but not purposefully, I don't think. You know, what I mean, it's but it's it's rooted in a lot of the tropes of sci-fi horror of the '50s, and while this carries a lot of tropes of like '70s sci-fi horror and '70s horror in general, I also think that this one is purposefully like we are making a movie about today, about like right now in San Francisco. We're not making this to kind of like because you know the the other one still has that sort of feeling of like every town USA, like this that that's where it kind of takes place. Although I think it also takes place in south, in California, uh, just a little more south. So I I just I find this one and its decisions to like really highlight the technology of the time and highlight the styles and weird fashions. It's all purposeful and 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 directed. Um,
0: right. It's it's the modern take. Well, I guess this is something I wanted to talk about. Uh, we can come back to to notes and other things later. Yeah. But uh, I mean, you really made me think about it. It's you know we have just went through a very insane thing uh, in the world Uh, a a huge a global pandemic that has touched almost every single person's lives do you think we would have gone through the same thing had we all been pod people do you think that there would have been a certain section of our communities of our populations that would have been like you know what I'm not going to wear a mask, or I'm not going to take a mask. As
1: soon as the news... But if everyone
0: was logical, uh, yeah. less emotional... I
1: thought about this. Okay, so you're, you're saying if the pandemic had happened to pod people.
0: <laughs> that if if the pod people took uh-huh. over from 1978 and then
1: they onward, And then they had to face the we pandemic. We would not
0: have had... 2011, <laughs> we would not have had a pandemic. Yeah. The global economy probably would not have collapsed multiple, multiple times. Right, I mean, that... I'm sure a certain person would not have been present. Yeah, you
1: look at it in the long run, and I guess it is probably better off for. Uh, I mean, that's the that's the whole thing about this movie, too, right? It's like, I mean, hey, Murph, you may have are you have you been potted? Is that why you're pitching this to me right now trying to convince me that we're better off as pod people?
0: That could be it. I'm oh, taking man. a very logical approach to 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 being less emotional. But that's the thing. I lo- I am very emotional. I I get loud. I I'm happy. I'm sad. And I don't know if I would trade that for having everybody else not be, Man. you know, fucking morons when, that, when it comes to it at some points.
1: Right. Yeah, this movie... Bo- yeah. What? <laughs> because, again, the way they pitch it, you are yourself. I said it... Ab- You're just a... A fraction? I I was talking about, you know, us and this podcast when I said it a few weeks ago, but when I called us charmingly inept, that's what the world is. Our our handling of the pandemic was just charmingly inept. Like, oh, humanity, you know, you guys almost had it. You were this close to getting through it okay. But, you know, yeah, we we make mistakes. But, hey, that's what what we're all about, man. It's all about learning from those mistakes. Uh, Will we ever learn from them? Probably not, but got to keep trying.
0: The other thing that I, <laughs> I, I thought about a lot for afterwards was the whole thought experiment idea of, like, you know, the ship of Theseus. Yeah. Or like Grandfather's Axe. Basically, uh, the concept of if you have an item, certain things on it keep breaking down and you replace them. Eventually, if, if you replace the whole thing, is it the same object? Right. Uh, the broken down version, Grandfather's Axe. You replace the head of the axe. And then eventually you replace the body of it. Is it the same act? Right. If I am not emotional, if I am been duplicated, is it still me? Is it not me? Are we determining that I am only me because of my emotions? Yeah.
1: It, I mean, hey, I love this discussion. I In the context of this movie, it seems like they, they do try to kind of bring in that, that aspect of it of like, you know, they even talk about it, how like, uh, they have the same scars and the same memories and the same, you know, everything about them is the same and it is just a, that suppression of emotion and yet they're a complete different people. Right, so, it's like, yeah,
0: are am I not just a collection of my memories, does it also mean I have to be emotional to be Murphy? <sighs> There's a lot to think about in this yeah. movie. I think it, it generates a lot of thought.
1: Yeah, I didn't think we am going to get so therapeutic here today talking about this but you're mm-hmm. right absolutely these are important questions and you know
0: well you know i i got my leather backhand <laughs> glove i'm i'm ready yeah, to as, as
1: you've been talking you've been silly putting uh, on psychologist that as throughout the course of the episode right, you are you are, you are slowly months. cosplaying as nimoy like i've seen you like come here mm-hmm. back you, you know you've cut your sideburns on <laughs> camera yeah uh and now you're fully nimoy in front of me oh, i'd love it <laughs> you know it is funny that um we talked about we're talking about suppressing emotions and that whole aspect of it that whole speech too about like that part of the movie where they're talking about suppressing emotions and being logical it's coming from Leonard Nimoy who supposedly took this role Spock. right and did some of the things he did because he wanted to break out of being typecast as Spock But then he goes right into a movie where he's talking about suppressing emotions and using a ton of space terminology when he's describing where they came from. Like, it does turn into, like, a Star Trek episode for a moment. And that beginning, even, like, the opening scene of, like, seeing the alien planet and the spores or whatever they are drift off into space, it is so, like, you know, sci-fi television-like level stuff. I mean, it's a higher budget thing and it looks great. But it is still kind of that vibe of you know old school sci-fi that Nimoy is is associated with. So it's just very strange that he felt that this was breaking out of the mold when <laughs> was stepping away from. Yeah, it, but he right. he's doing what he so does So we best. mentioned at yeah.
0: at one point he he is the kind of antagonist. At one point we they're running from him. Yeah. Uh, we never really get a good idea of when he does become a a, a pod person. You know, we would like to think that that first night that when he's first told that he is he is human right. um he's convincing that woman that you know you just you just you're just trying to leave your husband. It's not different. He has that moment where he does get kind of emotional and yells at Jack, like trigger something with Elizabeth like he's trying to like basically grabs him by the lapels just to give her. Like something like, how did that make you feel?
1: Oh man! That... So
0: we all, we will all, revolve or resort to like um, a dampened version of ourselves when we don't want to have to face what's happening, and that's just what's what Jeff is doing right now. And you are projecting something on, like that's his logical explanation of it, which seems real, and that it is himself.
1: That whole scene where he like. Yells at Jack and then turns to to Elizabeth and is like, "How does this make?" I, that triggered so much like anxiety in me. That whole thing of him telling her like, "Oh, you wanted to withdraw and you wanted to pretend it wasn't happening." It's like, I don't fucking no. I can't say that for I was just scared in that moment. Like and I wasn't processing all of that in three seconds between you yelling at him and telling me like, "Oh, you were shocked and withdrawn." And it's like, I don't know. Was I? Like, I, <laughs> things are happening so fast here.
0: My favorite thing is that Jeff Goldblum's like, what did I do? Oh, he like, takes it so
1: personally. And I think that is why he's so sort of bummed yeah, out when he goes home yeah. later. Right. It's part of it. At least, uh, it is strange. I do. I don't know if he is taking it. I, I've been thinking about that too, obviously. And I actually watched this twice because of, uh, you know, the timing, the way the timing worked out with this, I had time to watch it two times and it is a lot to take in this movie. So I feel like that second watch for me was pretty needed mm-hmm. to kind of suss out how I feel about certain aspects of it too. Um, but uh, re-watching it, I was looking for... For
0: an hour and 55, like, it is it is packed with, like... Yeah. Ch- scene, ch- scenes changing, plot points Here's, edition, yeah, I think, so... I think
1: it's a little bit front-loaded with those things. I think the first hour of this movie is spectacular, and I think there's some things we can talk about later with like the more kind of, um, like, action heavy back half, uh, where it becomes more of a straight remake of, of the 50s version um, in a way. Like, it kind of hits a lot of the same plot points as that one does. But, uh... So, but I, I was thinking about it with, with that scene, and but, and he is a lot more animated in that scene than he is later. And it's clear that these creatures, mm-hmm. they have some ability to, to mimic human emotion when they really, really need to. Like, um, when Jeffrey is first kind of rushing out to work that first night he's been assimilated, he's kind of putting on this air of like, oh, I'm tired and overworked and stressed, and, you know, it's not as robotic as he sometimes is. So they they can sort of replicate human emotion but but nimoy in that first scene that he's in is so in everybody's face constantly moving his hands the way he speaks with um with donald sutherland is much more like familiar yeah, he
0: seems he's real yeah. at that time and it is subsequent it's times that we see him that he's
1: that yeah i would imagine it's, it's maybe it's somebody, and at the park, somebody who it, comes like to his it happens party, gives him a plant or something that night you know yeah.
0: Yeah, it like it all just happens so fast. So I think it's probably after that scene where he's on the couch and you get that prominent oh, glove shot. That
1: one is definitely he's definitely assimilated there because he like stays there all night and in the morning it reveals that he's um he's been assimilated. So mm-hmm. the glove scene, that one that that's the work of a pod person, that whole glove thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I just okay, I want to go through a couple other things we got on the notes um there's a great scene where the kevin mccarthy the original star from the 1950s version is running through the streets with people chasing him and he comes upon um sutherland's car with elizabeth in it as well and he's basically yelling saying you know they're coming it's happening it's his lines from and the original runs right. off right we we turn the corner and and we see that he has been run over by a car and there are just people staring. Okay,
1: I, hold, real quick, I got because we've got to break this down a little more, because I think this scene is a great... So this guy, Philip Kaufman, correct me if I'm wrong, but kind of looking at his IMDb, he's not like normally a horror director. Like He doesn't do just horror. He's got a wide range of like genres that he worked in. And I can kind of tell in this movie, because he, he does things so differently compared to how a lot of other... Filmmakers shoot horror, and mm-hmm. um, he. So this one, for example, like I feel like in the seventy or the seventies and eighties, where you have the ability to show violence and gore on screen, you could easily like have a car hit a mannequin and show this grisly kind of accident. But the way he does it, again, almost kind of documentary, like where you have the him, the guy runs off around the corner, you can't see him, you see the car pass through the intersection, and you just hear the sound of him of the impact and it is so visceral because you're right there with Donald Sutherland and um and Brooke Adams as they hear it and react to it in real time. It's like you're witnessing people witness a real accident. It's it's horrifying. Yeah. Right. So sorry, I just wanted I to think break that. to down have everyone
0: yeah. still there being like completely still. Yes. No one's no one's reacting to it. Like it, giving Sutherland some kind of eerie vibe that like this isn't right this shouldn't be the yeah. way it's ha- it is just
1: the way that camera stays inside the car for um, the whole scene like
0: it, yeah he deserved mccarthy deserved an oscar nomination for like just this cameo
1: lines. yeah he's so out of
0: his oh. mind when he hits that car and he sells that shit he's
1: like stubble on his feet he's so well like Raggedy and like yeah. he looks insane yeah um i also think too it's he's
0: been up a couple days yeah. he's realizing things are happening i totally yeah. forgot
1: in this scene too when i rewatched it i totally forgot this this kind of through line too but uh Sutherland gets his, his like windshield broken in that first restaurant scene and then so the rest of the yes. movie he's driving around yeah they talk a about he, on the
0: phone the restaurant yeah. they threw a bottle of uh-huh. wine yeah
1: but it makes for such a great visual seeing him yeah, drive around. Yeah, that's so it says. Watch, he, so he's looking. He's literally looking at the world through a cracked glass. So it's like a weird, fucked up visual metaphor for how he's like seeing things now. Uh, but yeah, that McCarthy's scene. I, I think it's it, that's really cool. I, I that's my favorite type of like respectful nod towards the original. That that these things that remakes yeah. can sometimes do. Um, it reminded me of the Cape Fear remake.
0: Well, also apparently the director yes. of the original was in it. Um, yeah, it
1: reminds me of the Cape Fear remake where you have originals in there in a, in a fun Appreciation. Yeah. It's it's more than a toss-off cameo. Like, they're both kind of relevant to the story in an interesting way. Right. Yeah. Uh,
0: so one of the only other things I wanted to bring up was that throughout the the movie... So they're left with proof of afterwards when the, the pod people duplicate and then, you know, the disintegration. There's something left over. So they're yeah. constantly going and throwing things into the back of a garbage truck. And it just kind of keeps popping up. Jeffrey does it the first thing, right? When he's like, Oh, I got to go to work. And Elizabeth's like looking out the window, like, Oh, this is weird. And then you just throughout the next like hour of the movie, you'll just see garbage trucks in the background, that kind of stuff in the back. It's just, it's just there. Yeah, It's really, you, you see that it's, it's happening. It's really
1: awesome. More and more visual storytelling. And, um, I recently learned about this this term that I'm I'm going to be using all the time because I feel like it it pops up in a lot of like movies I love. But I just learned uh, the there was a Mad Magazine artist who had a term he called eyeball kicks, and this was a term that he used for putting in minute details into a frame of a cartoon, like in the background of a Mad Magazine okay. sketch. You have just right. so many jokes and little pieces of satire all over the frame. And I feel like uh, movies can do that r- really well, too, where you have background details like the the garbage men carrying stuff away. Which, again, I did not notice this, that it's all there throughout the movie until my second watch. But the, they're little things that just reward second viewings and like looking deeper into a movie. And uh, this is filled to the brim with those. Just little lines of dialogue that people will say that will foreshadow later things or, you know you notice somebody in that background being strange or like a particular actor. Like, hey, I didn't even notice that, that pr- I, the first watch, the priest on the swing, I was more just weirded out Robert Duvall. by the visual to even realize that, yeah, it's fucking Robert Duvall, which is, that that blows my mind. It's so bizarre. <laughs> yeah, I was more just taken aback by And after, by like, I wonder if it was there. a,
0: it was probably a Sutherland thing since they worked together on MASH. Like, that had right. to be it. I'm assuming. Uh, yeah,
1: possibly. I think that, the, yeah, I I, I. I when I looked into it, I, I saw something of what, but I can't quite remember what it was now. But um, it, it is just, again... Because she's,
0: like, again, an uncredited, really small role. Yes. Was it, like, a year after The Godfather? Like, yeah. Like, it's so bizarre.
1: Again, one of those things that just ties it to the late 70s. <laughs> you just have Robert Duvall is just, like, cameo as a priest on a swing. Is
0: there, yeah. I only have one other thing, but bes- until I get to a quote that I want to read, but um, I've always wanted to do a mud bath that looks so relaxing. Oh man,
1: yeah! When he when he plunges both hands in, I loved it. I loved it. Uh, yeah, I I, I want to do that so bad. When he when he like Jeff Goldblum sticks both arms elbow deep into the mud and it's right. just like ruining around. I'm like, oh, that looks, looks awesome. So yeah. Nice.
0: Uh, is there anything else you wanted to get to? I have one quote and then I think we need to rate this thing.
1: Oh boy. I have, a, I have a lot I, I could bring up. I think that there's a few things. Uh, yeah. Oh, let's get to, before we get to the rating stuff, let's go a little more in detail. I want to talk about the, the body horror aspect and which you can fold into dog discussion into that. So right. this, this movie, uh, predates like the thing which is, uh, I don't want to, you know, talk about that movie too much. It's, this is a simulation August, but I don't want to, you know, get off on another tangent about the thing because that movie is so iconic and influential. It's hard to just touch on it briefly, but the effects in this, I think rival that. And this comes like what, like five years earlier than that movie did. Um, but that birthing scene, just four, four years. So, um, it's strange to me that I I definitely heard this movie talked about as like kind of one of the horror greats like it does get discussed but with such a Mm -hmm. there's such a massive cult mentality around the thing I would have thought that discussion of the effects in this movie would have carried over because that birthing scene when Sutherland is sleeping in the garden and you have the pods of him and Jack and Nancy um, forming at his feet those effects of those things getting like squirted out and birthed and being all gooey and then coming apart like it's it's remarkable and it's 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 nearly as good as anything you see in the thing
0: i think it has uh more cutaways yeah than the thing the thing has a bit more uh fluidity to to the shots and That's the effects. Right. yeah i will and say I like yeah overall of course i think the thing for... is more impressive
1: yeah but i i Right. I think the thing is more impressive.
0: But it, for invasion, they 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 pretty much just keep flashing back and forth between like Donald Sutherland, and then they show Donald Sutherland's duplicate, just with like m- more or I guess less and less makeup. Yes, like they just show him very plain, and then they take off a layer. Yeah, it's like oh, he's becoming more like Sutherland, more like Sutherland, more like Sutherland. But yeah, it is it is fantastic, and I love that the late seventies is the time where the like the blood. Yeah is a very it's not a dark red it's bright red yeah and it does not look like blood is supposed to like what we're used to it now it's
1: not quite like um italian giallo blood in this movie but it is kind of approaching that yeah right um I think
0: it, it's pretty close. It's
1: definitely not as impressive as the thing, and it's a little more obvious how they 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 pull it off. But I still think this is such a precursor to that type of effect that becomes popular in the eighties. The sort of like gooey, sopping wet, mucousy like body transformation stuff. This yeah. is a, a very great, great early example of them of it, and uh, it, they nail it. And I think too, this has a, the huge advantage of having Ben Burt as a sound designer, like the guy that did the. I mean, he did the sound design for Star Wars. And he brings the same level of like, you know, crash. I I love love the sound effects. It's great throughout. Yeah, yeah. I think he combined a bunch of like animal screeches, like pig noises and stuff like that. It's it's awesome.
0: And they they use silence at the end credits. Like yeah, there's no yeah. title music. Right. To they go just,
1: for they just it. Let that kind of like because you end on the screamness. So yeah, it's just <laughs>
0: right. But yeah, the um the mutant dog is horrifying. I like, yeah. i have seen this movie multiple times before and i still have to like pause it rewind and go what the fuck did
1: i just see i love that so much yeah it, it's such a weird off the wall moment and it comes in a, it's it's a little bit foreshadowed and you see like that's the dog swimming to the pot earlier but you kind of just think like oh it's stupid getting a dog but then see and it's not even just that you see a man's face on a dog body which is horrifying um it's just like you know uh, a, a real disturbing sight but then they also play the banjo music over it as the dog runs up and like makes that guttural growling noise it's such an odd decision to like undercut it with the banjo it music does,
0: it does i mean it it is basically just a halloween mask on a dog yeah. but
1: it's so disturbing it reminds me of uh recently for whatever reason i was playing contra 3 the alien wars and if you've ever played contra 3 Right in the beginning, it must be a deliberate reference to this movie, but they're these enemies that really piss me off. They look like they're dogs, like, eating out of garbage in the background, like the sprite layers. But then they turn around and have human faces and run after you. Uh, and it's real creepy, and they always kill me because they look like part of the background until the last second. But I have to think those are a deliberate <laughs> reference to this movie because it is such a striking resemblance, and it's like a movie about alien invasion and all this stuff. So th- this movie just, like... Uh, it's already so disturbing and visceral up to that point. And then that just adds another thing to it. like you said even if the effect is just a mask on a dog just coming in at that point where you're very tense. It's chilling. Yeah, you're so it's tense because chilling. they're trying to they're trying to trick the aliens at that point. And then yeah, I don't blame Elizabeth at all for screaming in terror at that fucking abomination. Yeah.
0: Do you have any quotes you want to say?
1: Yeah, the first one I want to bring up is when um, it's when they're they're hiding out I think at uh, at Matt's place, right before he falls asleep in the garden. When they're kind of discussed... Nancy and Jack are kind of arguing about, like, what's happening. They're kind of, like, discussing the, the flowers and the whole process of it. And yeah. Nancy goes off on her rant about, like... First of all, it's weird that they nail the situation. Like, first guess. They're like, maybe spores flooded in from space and infected these plants. They're like, what the... F-? You got it right. First try. Obviously, like holy this is shit. What happened. <laughs> Yeah. Like, these guys, wow. I don't want to play these guys in fucking, you know, um, in Guess Who. They just, they would nail it immediately. So first of all, they guess exactly what's happening, like, to the T, that it's space spores floating in from another planet. But then Nancy goes off on a rant about, oh, this is just like when the space, lizard men from space landed and mated with monkeys to create humans. What What is the deal with
0: that like? Ugh. That's, I mean, that's definitely a '70s conspiracy theory thing. Like, I'm sure that's when flat earthers started. Like, that had to be yeah, pre-internet, and it's just kind of perpetuated ever since.
1: I think, I think it's going to be upon us, Murph, to re-perpetuate the space lizards having sex with monkeys theory of evolution and humanity's origins. It's, mm. it's up to us to to bring the truth to people about this.
0: I mean, I'm surprised it being the late '70s that they weren't like taking it a step further. It's like, and that's how we got blank. And like, yeah. Ooh, that's, <laughs> oh, that's no, no. Yeah, no it thank could you. Have been, she,
1: she could have gone down a real dark path there. It let's it it be let's be glad she stopped there. Right.
0: Yeah. Uh, my favorite is when Jeff Goldblum uh, gets told to fuck off and go back home. Yeah. And he comes back home and he's upset, and he says to his wife, "Where's Homer? Where's Kazakas? Where's Jack London?"
1: He has a lot of awesome quotes, and um, I have one for him, too, when uh, he they, they call Dr. Kibner over about the body in the um, in the mud bath, and he's searching for it in the mud and everything, and Kibner says to him, like, oh, you have some friends with some very strange ideas of jokes, and he very seriously, like, turns to Lenny and goes, I don't have any friends, doctor. <laughs> I don't have any friends. It's so good. I love Goldblum in this, and he makes a great pair with um, with uh nancy cart or Na- not nancy cartwright that's bart simpson um veronica cartwright
0: veronica yeah.
1: cartwright yeah yeah they make such a great pair yeah together. the
0: the tall tall brunette and then the small blonde with big mm-hmm. eyes okay so what are we gonna what are we gonna rate this out of pod people uh out of pods, out of pods we could do out of like that's turns.
1: we've done turds in the past so out of if you want to keep it consistent, we can do rat turds.
0: Mutant dog heads.
1: Mutant dog heads is pretty good. Out of
0: mutant dogs. Uh, how about how about out of garbage trucks?
1: Mm. You know what? Oh, 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 I got it. Out of weird leather hand gloves, right?
0: All right. Out of weird leather hand gloves. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm host, so I'll go first. I think this is a fantastic movie. I think all of the acting is superb. The paranoia, the direction that it it comes through so well—you feel unease. Uh, I got to the end of it. I'm not gonna trust anyone for the rest of my life. I'm gonna remain single. Think everyone's a pod person. Uh, I think this is this is what a sequel a sequel should be. I think um, this is one remake, of probably right? the best remake a remake yeah of of anything that I have ever seen. I, I think there's no other choice but to give it a five out of five. Hey. weird leather
1: gloves. Our first five out of five on the show. Wow! Congratulations, Invasion of the Body uh, And sensors. I think it's
0: it's rightfully deserved.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Hey, what a what a spectacular performance! And it's a, it's I mean, you nailed it. Uh, it's definitely one of those remakes that it encapsulates everything that made the original special, but also gives it its own flavor and does its own thing. However, I do have some, uh, we talked about the pacing a little earlier, and I think this movie is broken up in an interesting way where the first half of this is so much of its own thing. It's taking the general premise of the original, but it's it's adding its own 70s flair to it. It's a new location. You've got characters that are vastly different from the characters in the original. You kind of have that same setup of like a man and a woman, you know, kind of like sort of falling in love or raising their love for each other over the course of this crisis. But other than that, it's handled very differently up until you get to the point where they kind of go on the run. And then it starts hitting a lot of the same beats as the original 50s version, where you have the duplicate of Jack, and then you have the the argument over what is going on with the body. Then you have the reveal of how they're duplicated. And then you have them going on the run. You have the woman falling asleep and being assimilated. Then you have the sort of like shocker ending. Um, And I feel like when it gets into more of like, kind of remaking the original uh, the original it's still doing it in a in a great original in its own unique way but it still sort of loses that same creepy atmosphere and impact of that first hour of this where you're you're sort of learning what's going on mm. and you're getting this view of the city that's in the process of being assimilated and you look around and you don't know who to trust and it loses a little bit of that paranoia once you kind of realize and, like, ease into just a remake of the original. And it's not to discredit anything that happens in those scenes because there's great effects. Um, Their performances are, are spectacular all the way through. I just feel like they sort of pigeonhole themselves a little bit into, like, being like, okay, and then we do the original stuff, you know? And it kind of goes on for a little bit long with that, I think, the, the chase scenes. And I also find the music to be a little lacking in this. It's kind of a throwback score, I would say, to something like a more traditional, like, 50s sci-fi movie. So you have a lot of sort of, like, kind of... Um, there is some great work when you have, like, the more droning sound effects, the more kind of creepy, you know, like, um, atmospheric synth stuff. But then when you have, like, the... the There's, there's these kind of songs with, like, blaring horns and kind of this, like, despondent, almost kind of jazz-esque stuff. It's a little lacking for me. And it's not as, like exciting as i think as it should be or as like uh, as fitting the movie um i don't think it's bad i just think it's a bit of an odd fit so all that said i still think it's one of the more remarkable remakes out there and it's its own awesome piece of like 70s paranoia sci-fi filmmaking and i love donald Sutherland in it i love nancy, i love uh i keep wanting to say nancy cartwright <laughs> but veronica cartwright veronica cartwright. yes um i think she is extremely yeah not, not, uh, Brooke Shields, as I kept wanting to say too. Uh, God, nope. yeah, uh, anyway, I think Veronica Cartwright alone, like, really bumps this movie up a lot for me. She is such a awesome, a great addition to any cast where you need someone to panic. Because what I remember best about Alien is her panicking during, like, the chest burst scene and then when she's getting attacked later. Uh, and she does just as great of a job here, really selling the terror of these situations. And, um, that scene where Sutherland is holding Elizabeth and he's telling her the ship's coming, it's okay, we're essentially going to go to sleep and die together, and she disintegrates in his hands. That is one of the most horrifying scenes I've seen in a movie in quite some time. It's so sad to almost give him this moment of, like, you're going to go out the way you want to, right, with the person you love. But then she literally turns to dust in his fingers. It's so heartbreaking. I was split, though, on whether to give this movie, like a 4.5 or a 4 or even like a 3.8 or something in that range. Cause I feel like the beginning is so strong. I just feel like there's a slight decrease in my excitement and investment in this movie. Once you get into the more typical ending.
0: Really? Cause I'm all in. The beginning is good. It's slower, especially I think that what I was talking about that shot when Sutherland is trying to contact authorities and it starts getting yeah. into the more of paranoia and he realizes something's wrong i think that's yes. when i'm just i'm buckled in and i'm like just take me as fast as you can like i'm, I'm in right
1: oh yeah and i'm not saying that that i'm not saying at all too that that the latter half of this is bad at all i think it's a wonderful update of the original even when it's like hitting the same beats i was just a little kind of like you get to a point Rick. Like, okay, well, I've seen this stuff before with like that end part, you know, where he's like destroying the pods and you see them shipping sure. stuff. Out. And you mentioned that part where they're like taking instructions over a loudspeaker. That to me screams like 50s view of socialist countries, you know what I mean? Like food lines and things like that. So mm-hmm. it, it hits so many of, it, of the same beats the 50s one did as opposed to doing its own thing all the way through. And so it's not that I feel that the movie gets worse. It's just that I personally feel a bit disappointment in how it handles it does that make sense and so because yeah. it's a more of a personal critique rather than like a critique of the filmmaking i think i gotta go 4.5 I'll, I'll 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 uh i'll trend in the higher side too it's not perfect for me but um it is one where i had no problem watching it twice within a week uh i got a lot more out of it the second yeah, watch it's,
0: it's very enjoyable yeah
1: um and the performances are so good i feel like honestly like you could study these performances because they're so varied and so like distinctive too. Um, there you can you can read a lot into these characters. Like we didn't even discuss. It's really there for one. I mean, we talked about the love story a little bit between Elizabeth and um and Matt. And there's so many ways you can read that that relationship. Of like, did something happen between them before? What is their past? Like. Did they have any kind of romantic involvement before? Yeah. Is he truly like pining after I, there's her? There's a like, lot of possibilities,
0: yeah. but it it is obvious just like how they look at each other. It's like, well, if Jeff wasn't Here's the thing though, and this, this in could just picture, be
1: me totally misreading things, but you also get the sense that he is possibly like maybe some sort of, he's living a bachelor lifestyle that may include which you know, he They talk about how much of a great cook he is, how much like he is into art. His like relationship with Kibner seems like it's based off of like, I don't want to say there's a homosexual reading of it, but his job. Yeah, but But there is a sort of
0: love with Elizabeth and pining for her.
1: It's interesting because I think you're right, but also I think there's something to the fact that things kind of get disastrous right after they sort of do admit their love for each other. And is it just the stress of the situation that's leaving them to believe that it's like a romantic love between them? You know, I don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot of different ways you can look at it. So it's it's a film with a lot of depth is what I'm trying to say. And I feel like it doesn't explain everything, which I think is, is wonderful. And I think that, that kind of leads to a little bit of my disappointment in the last half too, where you get like a, such a in thorough, like a thorough explanation of what their plan is and how things are going to work and what's happening. You know what I mean? So I, I like the, the more amb- the ambiguous nature of this first half compared to the second as well
0: and kill did chime in we got a score from her so she gives 4.3 although she probably will not like our rating this time 4.3 <laughs> weird half leather gloves
1: she'll like I, I think she'll be okay with that we'll see. yeah eh,
0: probably not uh so that wraps up our discussion for invasion of the body snatchers 1978 and we're going to play a little game. I had trouble trying to come up with something for this one. I, For one, I was thinking, do you know how many movies Donald Sutherland was in the 70s? Oh, man. It's like 28 movies. Yeah. So my my thought originally was like, all right, I'll give you character names and see if you could place within like five movies that I give you. But so uh, I decided I'm going to quiz you and see how many of the 10 side effects of sleep deprivation you can guess. Ooh. So with this movie, the whole idea of it is you are not going to sleep. To survive, you have to not sleep. Right. What happens to you and your body when you don't sleep? Greg, you got any guesses?
1: Yeah. um, I don't know if it's going to break it down between auditory and visual, but I'm going to say hallucinations.
0: Uh, so we one is trouble with thinking and concentration.
1: Mm. I'm gonna put that with that.
0: Uh, <laughs> That's a bit of a stretch. I appreciate. I appreciate
1: you giving me that one, but well, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I got that one wrong. Um. <laughs> no, I I think that is something that will happen
0: eventually. And yeah. just yeah, trouble with thinking. I I would think is a similar side effect. Yeah,
1: I appreciate you you being so broad with your your except your your accepting answers there. But um, okay, let's see. I think uh we're gonna have just a uh, let loss of appetite
0: uh actually weight gain oh shit is what they say with sleep deprivation the chemicals that signal to your brain that you are full are off balance as a result mm-hmm. you are
1: more likely to overindulge even when you've had enough to eat oh my no sleep diet so that's had, a big old note. that's why my no sleep diet has been backfiring damn okay um mm-hmm. Wow, I mean, I feel like I'm a person who's pretty consistently sleep-deprived, and so it's surprising I haven't just, like, nailed this. Uh, but let's just say fatigue. Let's go an easy, an easy one.
0: Uh, I mean, like maybe falls under accidents and the trouble with thinking concentration. So I'm going to give you a no on that.
1: <sighs> oh, boy. this is That's wild that you, you can't just say, like, tiredness you know as a side effect um
0: well obviously yeah
1: yeah So why I didn't go for it at first um I'm gonna say uh uh quick temper is that something that you could let me as maybe on there mood changes there you go that's one yeah mood changes there that's the better I'll, way to I'll it. take yeah. that um mood changes uh whew, let's see um a loss of motivation I don't know
0: Mm, I'll give you a little bit of that one oh, for low sex drive. Short-term
1: memory loss,
0: memory issues is one. There you go. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give you low motivation. I'll I'll accept maybe, that for low sex drive.
1: Maybe the fact that it took me so long to get to memory loss is a sign that I'm suffering from memory loss due to sleep deprivation. Proves it exactly. Is this whole quiz you trying right, to tell gonna me something? I'm going to run this down for you. Is this you like your intervention? Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know me. <laughs> uh, so we have mood changes. Uh, memory issues weakened immunity you have a higher risk for diabetes a lower sex drive like i said trouble with thinking and concentration plus an uptick in accidents you have a higher blood pressure more apt to gain weight you have a risk of heart disease and a poor balance (sighs) wow So these are things that you need to look for if you plan to stay up to try to fight the pod people.
1: Yeah, I'm going to have to call and make some appointments right after this discussion. Yeah, not a good sign that I wasn't able to get most of those, and I think I'm currently experiencing a lot of them. Uh, But hey, this has been a very informative segment for me. (laughs) It's been a nice wake-up call.
0: And I hope all of you out there. But So it's been uh, fun chatting. Uh, what, uh, you're going to be host next week, right, Greg? What, what movie are we going to watch?
1: Next week, we are watching 1994's The Puppet Masters, starring uh, a little unknown actor named, um, let me see if I can get his, uh, Donald Sutherland. Yeah, I decided to (laughs) go with a little theme because weirdly he has made multiple assimilation movies, um, it seems. And so I have not seen The Puppet Masters, but it seems to fit our bill pretty nicely. And so that's what we will be watching next week. Yeah, should yeah, be exciting. Um, we talked a little bit it with. I don't know if I don't think Kill has seen it either. She hasn't, hasn't mentioned, but uh, it'll be a nice, nice, nice uh, little, you know, new treat for all of us. Hopefully, we'll see. Definitely,
0: and I, I mean, like I said, I love Sutherland, so yeah. I'm excited to watch it.
1: Yeah, and as uh, another little like, but I think that'll. The only other thing I know about it, real quick, is it also stars Keith David, another assimilation movie alumni. So. It's the dream team, the assimilation dream team coming together next week. I love it.
0: I love to see it. Well, I think that's going to be uh, it for us this
1: week. Thank you for tuning in. Yep. If you guys want to talk to us on social media, you if can find us If you would on... like
0: to reach out to us, yeah. you have the ability through email, weeklypodcastmassacre at gmail.com. We have Instagram and Twitter, both at Weekly Massacre. There you go. And I do think that will wrap it up for us this week i'm michael murphy Mm -hmm. coming to you from cloudy portland
1: um and i'm greg anderson from los angeles
0: and uh saying for kill this week thank you for listening bye